This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Some time ago, the front page of Time magazine had this question. Is truth dead? Is truth dead? I don't know how you would go about answering that question. But here would be my response. What I want you to do is just give me the truth. Just give me the truth. Hello, I'm Billy Lambert, and I want to welcome you to Getting to Know Your Bible today. And on our telecast today, we want to talk about truth. Just give me the truth. Please stay tuned. Now, today we're going to be offering a free Bible correspondence course, and I hope that you will avail yourself of the opportunity to receive this course in order that you might know more about the course and how you can receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. There is a great divide in our country today, and this great divide crosses every phase and every facet of our lives. It affects the social world. It affects the racial world. This great divide also has affected the academic world. As a matter of fact, I'm not so certain but what the the seeds for this divide were sown many, many years ago in the educational world. But this divide also affects the, the religious world, and even the political world is affected by this divide. I think the real division or divide that exists today it stems around a question that Pilate put to Jesus in John chapter 18. And this is the question. What is truth? What is truth? To me, the thing that's so ironic about that question is that Pilate was standing in the presence of the man who said, I am the way the truth and the life. But Pilate seemingly was unaware of it. What is truth? How do people answer that question? Well, I'm supposed, I suppose there are a lot of ways that people answer it. But the two basic ways that most people would see that question is number one, truth is relative. Or number two, there's absolute truth. Someone may say, well, you know, I, I, you have your truth, 
I have my truth. What is true to me may not be true to you, and what is true to you may not be true to me, because I believe that truth is relative. Well, the problem is that if truth is relative, then how are we going to ever know what is really right? One man said, you can't be sure about anything. Someone asked him this question, are you sure about that? Well, you see, if you can be sure that you cannot be sure about anything, then there's at least one absolute truth that exists, and that one absolute truth that exists is that you can't be sure about anything. And to me, that seems just a little bit absurd. But the, the, un, the unbelievers of the world do not establish their views about life and truth from any absolute standard, but their values and, of life are determined within self. That's really not new. Judges 21 verse 25 says, Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So, so a lot of people believe that truth is relative, that you believe, what you believe to be truth is your truth. Then on the other hand, there are those that say that truth is absolute, that we have absolute truth. For example, 2 plus 2 equals 4. But you see, if you believe in absolute truth, and, and, or rather in relative truth, 2 plus 2 might not be 4 to you. It might be 5. It might be 3. But 2 plus 2 is 4. It's 4 in the state of Alabama, in California, in Mexico, in any other place you might go in the world, because in the realm of mathematics, there's a certain standard of absolutes. 2 plus 2 equals 4, and it doesn't equal 5, 6, 2, or 3. Just imagine you get in your car, and this is your favorite vehicle. You know, it's the one you've petted through the years, and, and, and it goes back maybe to your teenage days, and you've kept that thing, and you've kept it in tip-top shape, and you say, you know, I'm not driven in it a while, and I, I think I want to get it out on the highway. I want to try it out. And, and only a man would understand this. I want to blow the pipes out of the thing. I, I really want to, I just think I need to really drive that thing. So you get out on the interstate somewhere, and you see a sign that says 70 miles an hour. But you see, you believe that truth is relative. There's no such thing as absolutes. And you see the sign that says 70 miles an hour, but you say, well, I know that's what it says, but I, I think it'd be all right if I did 75. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think if I did 80, 85, and then you get it up, your car up to about 85 miles an hour, and you think, well, I, I think I can do 90 miles an hour. I can do 100 miles an hour. A and you look down at the speedometer, and the needle is on 110. And about that time, you hear a strange noise behind your car. It sounds like a whirring noise, and it is. It's a siren. And, and you see a man back there in a car, and there's a light flashing on top of the car, and you stop, and, 
And he asked, what do you think you're doing? He said, well, you know, this is my old car, and I just wanted to get out here and blow the pipes out on that thing, and I thought it would be all right. He said, uh, don't you know what the speed limit is? He said, well, I saw what it was, but, you know, I, I thought it'd be all right if I just drove it just like I want to. I, I tell you what you do. If you believe that truth is relative, you try explaining to a policeman why you're breaking the law. You're going to find out the hard way that on the highway that 70 or 75 or 80 miles an hour or whatever may be posted as a speed limit is a standard that is an absolute standard and you must adhere to that standard. So the idea that truth is not absolute, that it is relative, uh, is it gets you into a lot of problems. Now, truth is absolute in everything we do in life. It's important in everything we do in life. For example, you go into a court of law, and when you go into a court of law and you've got to testify in court today, so you're asked to put your hand on a Bible, and you're asked to raise your hand, and you're asked to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And if you get into the court of law and it is determined that you did not tell the whole truth, then they call that perjury. And you can get yourself into a great deal of trouble. You see, truth is absolute in a court of law. You get in an airplane and you have the man up there flying the plane and... and uh, He's a man who believes that you have to go by the book, that truth is absolute. Don't you want him to feel that way while he's flying that plane and to use all of the rules of flying a plane and follow them to the letter? You don't want him to say, well, you know, other people fly the plane that way, but I, I've got a better way of doing it. No, you don't want somebody to use the idea of relativity when it comes to flying an airplane. And now you go down to, to play a ball game. Let's just suppose here two teams, they're going to play a game of football. So one coach says to the other coach, now I know there are a set of rules we have to go by, but you use your set of rules, and, but I've got my own set of rules that I'm going to go by because I think it doesn't make any difference Whatever rule we follow, you follow your rule, I follow my rule. The game doesn't work that way, people. You follow a code of absolute rules when you play game football or any other sport. You see, truth is, is not relative in many areas of this life or any area that I know. We believe in an absolute standard when it comes to the different areas of our lives. You think about the Constitution of this country. We wonder sometimes why people uh, interpret the Constitution differently than other people do. There are those who take a traditional view of the Constitution. Now, the reason they take that traditional view is because they believe in a, a standard of absolute truth. The reason that others might be is they're looking through the prism of relativity, and they can make up the rules as they go along. You see, truth is important in every area of our life. But someone might say, is it possible to know the truth? 
Is truth attainable? Listen to Jesus in John 8 and verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What is the standard of truth? What is the origination of truth? And I would suggest to you that God is the original truth, that God is the originator of truth. In Psalms 146 and verse 6, it is said of God that He keeps truth forever. Truth is spirit revealed. That is revealed by the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, the Bible says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He shall guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He heareth, that shall He speak. So the, the truth has been revealed to the world by the Holy Spirit of God, all the truth, not some of the truth, all truth. And God is the source of all truth. Listen to the psalmist in Psalms 119 and verse 142. Speaking of God, your law is truth. God is truthful in everything He does. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. In other words, God is always going to tell you the truth. Romans chapter 3 and 4 says, Let God be true, and every man a liar. John chapter 17 says, Your word is truth. Then listen to what Moses said in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4. He is the rock, and the word rock there is capitalized with suggesting God. His work is perfect, a God of truth without injustice. Righteous and upright is He. God is the source of all truth, and truth is knowable. It is understandable. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the absolute truth, and nothing but the truth. Well, there's some questions about truth, and that is, what is it that constitutes truth? Well, truth is not just what works. Now, maybe you have on a watch like I have on. It's working. But maybe if you were to find out that your watch was while it's working, it's not telling you the correct time. It might be two minutes slow. It might be two minutes fast. It's working, but it's not true. So truth is not just necessarily what is working. Truth is not necessarily what is believed. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, that, that the apostle Paul talked about those who believe a lie. They believe a lie, and the Lord will allow them to be in such deception that it would cost them their souls. That's a serious thing indeed. Then truth is not the, what the majority think. You know, Jesus said, Enter into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. The majority of people are going to doing the wrong thing. You see, truth is not determined by what the majority of people are doing. And truth is not just having good intentions. Someone has said that the way to hell is paved 
with good intentions. I may intend to do the right thing, but I may be wrong. It may not be correct. And truth is not what is publicly known. There are many things that are publicly known that are not necessarily true. And then truth is, is not what is comprehensive. Have you ever heard of a, heard a comprehensive sermon? Now you say, what do you mean, Brother Lambert, by a comprehensive sermon? I mean a very long sermon, a, a lengthy sermon. I mean an hour's worth, or maybe an hour and a half's worth. But it doesn't necessarily mean what you have heard is true. There are many things that I see on, on, the, comp- on the, uh, the web, on the computer, that I know that are not true. But so much is written about these various things, but that doesn't mean they're true. Now, what is truth? Number one, truth is what corresponds to reality. Truth is what corresponds to reality. Now, the best I recall from my days in school, it is 200,000 miles or so from the earth to the moon. Now, that's reality. That's what corresponds to it. So about someone says, well, you know, I think that it's only 100,000 miles from the earth to the moon. Well, what you're assuming is true is not corresponding to reality. So truth has to correspond to what is real. And then truth is what matches its object. Suppose you lose your automobile. It's missing. Now, how will the police be able to find your missing automobile? Well, you give them a good description of the car, and then you give them the VIN number, you give them the tag number. And when the police find an automobile that matches the description that you have given to them, then it will match its object, and they will have found your car. Truth is what matches its object. And truth is the opposite of an untruth. That's just almost uh, uh, goes without saying. What happens to people who do not tell truth? In Revelation 21, verse 8, we're told that liars, that is, people who deal with untruths, will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Now, we're under, we're, the question is, what is the truth? I tell you, you just give me the truth. You, you just give me the plain, unvarnished truth of the Word of God. Listen to Jesus again. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's John 8, verse 32. From what will the truth free us? The truth will free us from the blinding darkness of sin and ignorance. The only thing that can open our eyes is is the truth of God's Word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, He says, The God of this world had blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of God should shine unto them. Satan blinds our eyes often to the truth of God's Word. But the truth will free us from the blinding darkness of sin 
and ignorance. It will free us from the blight of error. The only way that I can know I'm, I'm speaking truth is by putting it to the Bible test. Listen to Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These were more noble than those of Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. Why were they searching the Scriptures? To see if they were being taught truth. Truth is so important today. Truth frees us from error. In Matthew 22 and verse 29, Jesus said, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Here were people who were in error because they did not really have a good understanding of the Scriptures. The truth will free us from paralyzing fear. Some of you live paralyzed lives. I don't mean literally. I mean figuratively speaking. You never accomplish much in life because you're, you're fearful. But listen to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear can be uh, destroyed by learning the truth, the truth. And then the truth will free us from an enslaving habit. Do you have one? I have an idea. I'm speaking to someone right now. You say, I've been trying to put these cigarettes down and it's the hardest thing. You say, I'm trying to stop eating like I've been eating for all these years and I have some other habit. I use bad language. I've been trying to put that down. What can help you overcome that? You need to have the truth about those things. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul is writing to people who are living in the, in the midst of idolatry. But he said, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. All idols are not made out of stone or gold or silver. So some of them you can carry in your pocket. Some of them you may have in your automobile. Some of them you have in your, in your den. You see, everything that takes away your time from God your money from God, and, and you fail to give Him all of your allegiance has become more than just a pastime. That habit has enslaved you. You need to turn to God like the people in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 9. There are a lot of attitudes people have about truth. Number one, some people hold the truth. Listen to Paul in Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now the word hold there is an interesting word. Some translations have suppressed the truth. That's what that really means. God's wrath is revealed against people who reject His absolute standard of truth. Truth is not relative. Truth is absolute. And Jesus will make us free if we adhere to the truth. We ought to love the truth. In Psalms 119, verse 197, Oh, how I love your law. We ought to be willing to obey the truth. 
Listen to 1 Peter 1, 22, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. We have to obey the truth. And God's Word is our standard of truth. Now, here's why it's so important to obey the, to the truth. Because, number one, it is inspired of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16. Secondly, we will be judged by an absolute standard of truth on the last day. In John 12, 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him on the last day. In Romans 2, 16, Paul wrote, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men according to my gospel. You see, the standard of judgment will not be the opinions of people. It's not going to be what some preacher of renown may have taught. It will be the truth of God's Word. There's one thing about the truth. It will say on the day of judgment just exactly what it says now. It's not going to change. And our lives must be lived in, in harmony with the truth that things might be well with our souls on that great day. Would you obey the truth? Is relative to your salvation by believing on Jesus with all of your heart, by repenting of all your sins, by confessing your faith in Christ, by being baptized, not because Brother Lambert says so, but because Jesus said, He that believeth one is baptized too, shall be saved. Number three. I want to thank you for watching today, and in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Also right now, pick up the telephone without hesitation and call for the free Bible correspondence course. Now you can write us if you prefer, but most people call us and we'll get your name, address, and we'll send the Bible course to you promptly. If you would rather take it online, the information is on the screen as to how that you can do that. The title of this broadcast is Getting to Know Your Bible. We want to help you and assist you in doing just that. I want to thank you for watching today, and uh, may God bless you and keep you until we meet again. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580. 
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.